The Florida Panthers are now one win away from eliminating the Toronto Maple Leafs. The Dallas Stars fall in a tough loss to the Seattle Kraken, and the Vegas Golden Knights look for a way to shut down the Edmonton Oilers' powerful power play. All that and more on today's Locked On NHL podcast. Your Locked On NHL, your daily podcast on the National Hockey League. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And welcome, everybody, to the Monday edition of the Locked On NHL Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. want to thank everyone for making Locked On NHL your first listen every day. Don't forget to subscribe on YouTube or on your favorite podcatcher. And yes, we are now available on the SXM app of Sirius XM. So make sure you check us out there. It is my pleasure to welcome back to the show the host of Locked On Florida Panthers and maybe the happiest Locked On host in the country right now, Armando Velez. And Armando, up 3 nothing on the Toronto Maple Leafs now. Uh, a dramatic overtime winner by Sam Reinhart, just three minutes and two seconds into OT. And uh, how are the are the Florida Panthers feeling at, at a moment like this? They're they're ecstatic, and um, the fans in South Florida they're ecstatic as well. And it was a it was an event filled weekend in South Florida in general with the Miami Heat beating the New York Knicks, Formula One being in South Florida as well, and then the Florida Panthers topping it off with 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 the win in, in overtime and taking a commanding 3 nothing lead. And my goodness, Gil, it's just, if you were to tell me that uh, over a week ago when the Florida Panthers were down 3-1 against the Boston Bruins that they'd be on a six-game winning streak in the postseason, which is now the longest winning streak in, in postseason history for the Florida Panthers. I know they haven't had a big postseason history as far as, as far as winning, but it, it's, it's just been a heck of a ride. And you got to give credit to the goaltender, Sergei Bobrovsky, who now has a 938 save percentage in this series alone. And the coaching Paul Maurice has just been, been great at putting the right pieces together. And the players who I've been, critical of in the in the regular season like the air neck flies they're not making the mistakes in their own zone as in in the postseason like they were in the regular season the panthers forecheck is consistently creating mistakes for their opposition there they have 11 goals in the postseason where they score within five seconds of a turnover so that's just an incredible feat that the florida panthers have been able to do this whole postseason and it, it's just been it's just everyone everyone's contributing especially in the top line the third line for two games in a row has been the story of the game and limiting the maple leafs chances up the middle too so they they they've taken away they've taken away a lot of a lot of their chances you mentioned sergey bobrovsky i mean he was benched at the end of the season did not start in goal in game 1 in the first round against boston what has he done so well to turn things around? His rebound control is just uh, is just been so much better as well. He's he's using he's taking advantage of his big frame that he has as far as stopping pucks as well. He's be, he's better at track. He's been be, so much better at tracking them as well. And 
it, it, it was a little discouraging for Sergei Bobrovsky after how he performed in game four of the previous series against Boston. I mean, but that was a little bit, I guess, looking back at it, I know hindsight's a little 2020. And I guess we could see that as a little bit of a warm up game for Sergei Bobrovsky there. I mean, it's, it, but of course, with we, the Florida Panthers wouldn't be here, of course, without the Lion King as well about how he played towards the end of the season. So I don't want to discredit what Alex Lyon has done. But he, but this is why you pay Sergey Bobrovsky uh, ten, ten million, ten million a season. I mean, two Vesna trophies. Um, he's the he's the long. He has the most wins among active players who went undrafted as well. And just and 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 also for for Bobrovsky, his stoic mindset as well about about not getting too high, not getting too low when things go wrong. And I, I'm, I haven't seen the quotes from the locker room yet um, because we're only recording this like 10 minutes after the final buzzer. But I'm sure his mindset is still the same being up three, nothing that you still got to win one more. Yeah. Was it a big deal in game three when Ilya Samsonov left the game early due to a, to an injury? It, it it definitely was. I mean, just a series of strange events in there. I mean, the the Florida Panthers are on a breakaway. They get a pen. They get they get a power play on it. Luke Shen um, bumps into his own goalie as as well, and then the Panthers get a a power play out of that. It's just a it's just it, just a strange just a strange uh uh sequence there all all in all. And when when you hear that Joseph Wall has only played seven games for the Toronto Maple Leafs this season. I mean, it, it's a you're you're kind of licking licking your chops if you're the Florida Panthers, but I mean, the the Cats they 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 get a whole bunch of offensive zone time either way, um, regardless of goalie, and they're they're used they're used to playing Samsonov because they played against them again when they played the Washington Capitals the year before. So, but the fact that it was going up against the backup, you were dominating possession for for the first two periods. The the push for the Toronto Maple Leafs didn't really come until the end of the at the end of the of the game as well. And right. also the TNT crew also showed the different attitudes between the Panthers and the Maple Leafs in in when presenting the starting lineups. The Panthers were upbeat, loose, while the while the Toronto Maple Leafs were like all business, no, no, uh, no excitement. And honestly, on the ice, I mean, it, you could tell that the Panthers were the more upbeat team, and 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 all when when it came to when it came to their game on 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 Sunday night. Got to ask you about two players right now who appear to be making a lot of difference for the Florida Panthers. Obviously, Matthew Kachuk. Talk to me about what does he mean to this team right now he means everything to, to this team. I mean, the, the different personality that he brings, not only off the ice, but the, the, the type of guy who's not just not going to be bullied on the, on the ice and is going to, is going to get in, in your face as well. He, um, in, in the regular season, he was tops in the NHL as, as passes from behind the net to set up teammates as well. Um, there's a sequence as well towards the end of the second period where he was uh, chopping at uh, Joseph wall and, and they, the, the Toronto Maple Leafs took a, exception of it. He's gonna get he's gonna get in your face, and it, it, it it's a tr- it's a trickle down effect to the rest of the lineup. Yeah, he didn't he didn't um, he didn't score on the night as well, but but the fact that he is a guy who the opposition always looks at when whenever he does get on the ice just makes everyone better. I mean, Nick Cousins, for example, he was not in the top six for really any 
part of the of the regular season. He wasn't inserted until um, until the the latter part of 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 the not even the latter part of the season. The the latter part of the Boston series as well, and and his game has elevated. I, I mean, Nick Cousins does have playoff experience. He played seventeen playoff games with the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, so it's just making the other the other uh, teams better. And Sam, um, Sam Bennett, he's kind of public enemy number one in in Toronto uh, right right now after after his uh, collision with Matthew Nyes and uh, and of course that cross check on Michael Bunting in game two. But making the making the other the other guys better around him, and that's what Matthew Kachuk brings. One other guy I wanted to ask you about, Brandon Montour, not necessarily a household name around the league, but boy, is he being productive in, in, in this playoff. Yeah, um, Brandon Montour, um, now with the most points in Florida Panthers history for a defenseman, um, went, went, uh, got six goals in eight games, excuse me, nine games now. And I, I tell people all the time, if, if he, he, if he was playing in a bigger market, he would have had the Josh Morrissey treatment uh, this season for for how he's done at the offensive end. And I'm and when he was traded for the um, to the Florida Panthers, there's a lot of uh, there was a lot of analytics charts that said that Brandon Montour um, that trade for uh, Brandon Montour to the Florida Panthers was not gonna was not a good trade, and they were able to and that was two three deadlines ago for the Panthers traded him for, for third round pick, extended him too, and Bill Zito is one happy camper when it comes to that trade for this reason. His contract doesn't expire for another year. There you go. Armando, why don't you tell our listeners and our viewers where they could find the podcast and where they could find you on social media? They can find the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at LO underscore FLA Panthers. They can find me on Twitter at MondoMan12. Well, you, you'll see Florida Panthers tweets, Miami Heat tweets, and... Not Marlins tweets for now because the focus is solely on the playoff run. But once the summer hits, they will they will see baseball tweets uh, there as well, and of course uh, golf um, once the ma- major season kicks off more uh, in in the summer. And the podcast, and, uh, Locked On Florida Panthers podcast. Anywhere you listen to podcasts and on YouTube, the YouTube uh, subscribers are booming, and we are also on Sirius XM. All right, Armando, thank you so much. Always a pleasure. Thank you as always, Gil. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. If you're looking for a delicious snack but don't want all the sugar and calories, then you need the best tasting protein bar ever, Built. You got to try this. If you're like me and you want to make healthier snack choices but you don't want to compromise on taste, well, Built Bars are healthy and they taste amazing. In fact, they are so good tasting, you won't believe they're good for you. What makes Built Bars taste so good? Well, they're covered in 100% real dark chocolate. And listen to some of these flavors. Churro, peanut butter brownie, my personal favorite, the cookies and cream, and the macros are outstanding. Just 130 calories and 4 grams of sugar per bar, but they average a whopping 17 grams of protein. Just go to Built.com. You can have any flavor you like delivered to your door. Or now, if you want one right away, you can head to Walmart or Sam's Club and pick up a box yourself. So head to Built.com for the best tasting protein bar ever, Built Bar. You can thank me later. It is my pleasure to welcome back to the show the host of Locked On Stars, Dane Lewis. And Dane, rough game three, uh, game three for the Dallas Stars. You know, it's sort of been a tale of two series. When the Stars are playing well, they're more than capable of winning. But it's been highs and lows 
What has been the biggest difference between the game Dallas won in this series and the two where they come up short? I think a big part of it is a lack of preparedness, maybe just with how Seattle plays their game. And I think we saw a little bit of that even in game one. Uh, they're, they're a good four checking team. They play with a lot of speed. They can roll four lines like they, you look at their roster and it's I mean, I, I feel like it's hard to pinpoint one superstar player on that Seattle roster. But you, you look and it's just so much depth and you say, you know, like this is a guy that I would I would want on my team or, you know, this is a guy I wouldn't mind having on, on my team's roster. And Dallas, I think, has that as well. But it's just been in the two games they've lost, especially on Sunday night, that they just look ill-prepared and no answer for what Seattle throws their way. And uh, normally you can you know, get by with that sometimes if you have a good performance from your goalie. But Jake Ottinger with maybe the worst performance, not just in his playoff career, but maybe his entire career, uh, at least the worst I've seen him in recent memory, uh, Twelve of se- or only saving 12 of 17 shots, and eventually does get pulled after the second period for Scott Wedgwood. And then, you know, he he has a bad night. You lose Mira Haskin into injury uh, in the middle of the second period or really uh, near the beginning of the second period, right when Seattle starts to score their goals and get some momentum. So a mixture of things go into this game, three loss and making it as ugly as it was. But at the end of the day, I just don't think the Stars were prepared, which doesn't make a lot of sense because they did see all this in game one. And I thought they countered it really well in game two. And so it seems like, they, they had their memory wiped, it seemed, between uh, games two and three. Uh, and now they have, you know, kind of have their backs against the wall here uh, in a must-win situation here for game four on Tuesday. Yeah, how concerned are you about Ottinger? I mean, he's carried this team most of the season or, or been a big reason for why they've won. You think this is a, a fluke kind of a thing, or is he maybe just a little tired? I mean, what? Yeah, I, I think there, there's a little bit of fatigue thrown in there. I mean, we all know that the the, the Stanley Cup playoffs are unforgiving and, and they're you know ruthless just in terms of what it demands of of you as an athlete and uh, what your body goes through mentally, what you go through. And he played 60 plus games for the Stars in the regular season, so I mean, he's gone through a lot this this year. But I, I want to lean towards more of the side of this is a a fluke type performance. Uh, I mean, I the sample size for Jake Ottinger has been mostly been good in his career. He has a few bad games every now and then. Uh, and, I mean, normally when he has a bad game, he normally bounces back in a big way the next time out. I think we saw that a little bit earlier on in this series. We saw it against Minnesota in the last series. So I- I'm still fully confident that Jake Ottinger can help be the backbone of this team. Uh, I think he just had a, a rough night and-, and a night that he probably needed that 20 minutes of rest in the third period to gather his thoughts. And hopefully he's able to sleep it off and, you know, get get to practice on Monday and, you know, reset his focus, reset his mind. And I, I'm still confident, and I, and I imagine the team is as well uh, in his ability because, again, the sample size it is too great. And, and, I mean, no one's perfect, and that includes guys that are as good at their jobs as Jake Ottinger is. And, and I think he and the team are, are going to find a way to respond. Uh, it's just a matter of, you know, how effectively they can do it, uh, and he is going to be a big part of that on Tuesday. So between now and Tuesday, what do the Stars need to do to sort of get things back in order and and compete to win game four? Yeah, well, I think it does need to start a little bit with playing a little bit tighter around the crease. I mean, Jake Ottinger, not the best night. A lot of those shots he probably should have saved. But his defensemen, even with Miro Haskinen missing a good chunk of that game, I mean, they could still do a lot more to to help him out. And that's kind of been an issue all season long. And I know we've talked about this before, even – uh, with with other recordings, other episodes saying, you know, if the Stars are going to 
fall out of the playoffs or lose the series, what the, what might be the reason. And that's always been one of the reasons I point to is a, a lack of consistency defensively, you know, making life difficult for those forwards down low uh, and, you know, not giving away those easy opportunities in the low slot or kind of around the dots. And the Stars didn't do that on Sunday night. So they need to play a lot more discipline defensively, uh, but they also do need to find a way to counter that Seattle four check, clear their defensive zone, but then also find a way to get those clean zone entries offensively and, Get the offense going. Uh, I mean, Jason Robertson has really been silent this whole series. Rope Hintz has calmed down, cooled down rather quite a bit. Joe Pavelski finally held off the score sheet on Sunday, but I mean, you got to find a way to get somebody going because there was really just no s- sense of life uh, offensively for the Stars on Sunday. A couple goals, but uh, I mean, those any momentum from those were pretty quickly squashed out by Seattle. How concerned are you about Haskin in long term? Not, I'm not too worried. I know uh, that TBS announced during the broadcast that he was supposed to come back in before the second intermission. And, and then, you know, Stars PR did announce middle of the third that he wouldn't return. It's my understanding that it, it was more of a the score so lopsided. Let's not force Miro back out there to force, you know, to risk any additional injury. From everything I understand, it, it, it's resting up. But I mean, he's been a workhorse for the Stars in the playoffs as well. Similar to Jake, he's played. I think he leads the NHL in time on ice in the postseason. And he he was probably up there in the regular season as well, uh, at least in terms of defensemen. And so he's important. I, I'm not too concerned about his health, but if for some reason this does become an issue and he's not able to play in game four, uh, my concern level for the Stars and their ability to win this series, uh, it, it rises quite a bit. Uh, yeah, I would assume he's very important as far as getting that puck out of the de- uh, defensive zone and transitioning to offense. Yes, yes. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's one of the biggest things he does. But, I mean, he plays in all situations, whether it's, you know, five on five, the penalty kill, power play. I mean, he's out there all the time, and, and he does a lot for this team. And so, uh, but a big part of it is is those in- zone entries and exits. You're absolutely right. Is there one player who, besides Ottinger, who we've already discussed, who – you really feel, you know, is close, but, you know, if they could just raise their game a notch, it would make a big difference for the Stars going forward. I think the answer has to be Jason Robertson. He He's maybe the most snake-bitten player in the postseason so far, just in terms of goal scoring, and he did have a few looks uh, during Sunday night's game, had some really good looks during game two on Thursday, and he just hasn't been able to cash in in a while. And, I mean, a guy who scored 100-plus points in the regular season, back-to-back 40-goal seasons last year and this year, and he really has been a non-factor for the most part in the postseason. And if the Stars can find a way to get him going, I think that that changes a lot for them offensively. But so far, it's been very, very quiet for the best one, one of the best forwards on the team and one of the best offensive talents this organization has seen uh, in several years. And I know he's still young. His playoff career is still somewhat getting started. But at some point, the the kid gloves have to come off, and you you have to finally get some production from a guy that you're considering your superstar makes sense all right dane why don't you tell our viewers and our listeners where they can find the podcast and where they can find you on social media sure they can find me on social media at locked on stars instagram twitter uh myself i'm on twitter as well just at dane double underscore lewis and then of course locked on stars can be found uh anywhere that you can find locked on nhl youtube uh anywhere that you get podcasts spotify apple and also on, on Sirius XM, I know you mentioned that at the top of the show. Locked on Stars is on there as well. All right. Dane, always a pleasure. Thanks so much for stopping by. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Gil.
Today's episode is brought to you by Indeed. There's no I in team, but there is one in Indeed, and that's the hiring platform you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Indeed is the hiring platform where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed is a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. We streamline hiring with powerful tools that help you find match candidates. And with Instant Match, over 80% of employers get quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed matches their job description the moment they sponsor a job, according to Indeed Data US. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash locked on. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit at Indeed.com slash locked on. Indeed.com slash locked on. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It is my pleasure to welcome back to the show the co-host of Locked On VGK, Chris Golick. And Chris, this is going to be, I think, a, a very hard-fought, long series. Yeah, I mean, in the beginning, I felt this thing was going to go seven games. Um, I kind of felt it would be like a VGK takes game one, Edmonton takes two and three, VGK comes back for four. Edmonton takes five, and the VGK goes six and seven and, and advances. So I'm um, I'm two for two so far. I hope we can continue that. And either way, this thing's definitely going six or seven. And uh, we got a little got a little spice now yeah. into uh, the mix. Yeah, no, no question. And and what would you say is sort of the the biggest cause for that spice? I mean, Evander Kane probably. We'll start there. Yesterday, um, Evander Kane did what Evander Kane does, and that's annoy and pester. And, you know, he got Colasar in a very um, compromised position and started uh, wailing away. And, you know, people in Vegas are very upset about basically Colasar on his back. The ref sitting there just kind of taking notes and watching it happen. But uh, I actually dug this up. This is via someone else. Um, but basically, Keegan Colsar was guilty of doing the same thing against the St. Louis Blues, punching a defenseless player on the ground during an altercation. So, you know, this stuff is very unfortunate when it happens. It looks bad, but, you know, this is hockey. It's gruesome. And I'm definitely on island, but I have no problem with uh, Vander Kane's actions uh, Saturday at T-Mobile Arena. Is there uh, an intention, do you think, by VGK to – respond at the right time or or is this not going to be something that gets under their skin too much you said at the right time uh, me and tony record locked on vgk a little actually before you and i are doing this hit right now and bruce cassidy said the vegas golden knights were out teammated in the game a new word out teammated apparently but he's alluding to the fact that Colasar has had the Vegas Golden Knights back all season long. Colasar's not a fighter. He'll be the first one to tell you he's not a fighter, but he will defend uh, every player on his team and do whatever he can to help. Now, you asked uh, what the response might be and when it might happen. Colasar, excuse me, Evander Kane is rent-free, living rent-free in the heads of the Vegas Golden Knights. The fans, the coaches, uh the, the, the peanut sellers, the beer vendors, everyone inside Vegas and T-Mobile Arena has a hatred for Evander Kane right now. You cannot let that change how Game 3 is approached on Monday evening. If they simply, they being the Golden Knights, are going to be headhunting Evander Kane all night, that's not the way you're going to beat the high-powered, amazingly talented offense and power play 
of the Edmonton Oilers. Save it for game 37 in the 23-24 season. Call someone from the AHL. Go get a goon. Do it then. We got to focus on winning uh, game three right now. You, you mentioned the the explosive offense and obviously the power play of the Edmonton Oilers. <laughs> How, if you are the Vegas Golden Knights, do you try to slow down? Because I don't know if you could really stop. But how do you slow down that power play? You know, you're talking about McDavid. You're talking about Dreisaitl. What is that, two of the top three scorers in the league this year for points? How, how do you slow those guys down? Probably two of the top three players in the world as well if we want to yeah. keep on going here. Yeah. Um, so you got to keep them off. you got to stay out of the box. So early on, and I think you might have we might have talked about this before the series, I mentioned that everyone's saying Vegas has to stay out of the box, stay out of the box, stay out of the box. And my – comeback to that was you got to play hockey you have to play your game and you have to be ready for the penalty kill and to kill that high-powered Edmonton power play well that's not going to happen there's actually a fun call in the post-game uh, show yesterday um, I forgot the gentleman's name he calls in every single show and there was a positive as far as the Vegas Golden Knights wins with the Edmonton power play Edmonton came into yesterday's game in the postseason at like a 59 or a 58 percent conversion rates Edmonton was three for six yesterday. The Vegas Golden, Knight actually, Vegas Golden Knights actually lowered the Edmonton Oilers power play percentage yesterday by only giving up three goals. So there you go. It's a good game. Successful game yesterday. We slowed down the power play finally. <laughs> yeah, but. <laughs> <laughs> you're not slowing the power play down. That long story longer, you're not slowing it down. Stay out of the box. Maybe you get lucky and your goalie makes a save. Maybe. It's just so good. They're so poised. They're so relaxed out there. There is no panic at all. And if Vegas is fortunate, or anyone for that matter, gets a clear, they just come right back down, set up, and do it again. Even if they don't score a goal, they wear you out. I said the Kentucky Derby. Here you go. Kentucky Derby, the most exciting two minutes in sports. The Edmonton Oilers power play is the longest two minutes in sports for the opposing teams. No doubt about it. Wanted to bring up two players who maybe aren't making a lot of headlines, but I think are kind of quietly uh, to one degree or another contributing to the success of VGK. Uh, one is Brett Howden, who leads the team with a plus seven, and the other is Alec Martinez. Talk to me about those two guys. Um, Martinez, first of all, doing a good job, and he's been down this road many times, of course, with the LA Kings, and uh, he's had some runs, obviously, with the Vegas Golden Knights. So um, this isn't the Martinez of 2015 by any means, but – you know, as he gets older, he gets smarter, and he's using that to get in the right spot, to block pucks, to continue to play the game with poison, things like that. He is getting beat every now and then, but, you know, he's still doing a very serviceable job. He's out there with Petrangelo on the first uh, defensive unit, so you got a lot of experience and uh, a few Stanley Cups, so he's doing just fine. And, you know, Brett Howden, under the radar, it doesn't get much more under the radar than Brett Howden, but he's doing all the little things right. St stood up for uh, his teammates yesterday by dropping the gloves, and he's scoring some goals and just uh, helping. The biggest thing about this series, one of the many things, was the play of the bottom six, the Oilers' bottom six against the Vegas Golden Knights' bottom six. Well, the Vegas Golden Knights' bottom six is probably winning so far, but the problem is the top six for Edmonton is just so good. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> they are. Talk to me about the goaltending. It's obviously critical in the playoffs. Are you pleased with where you're at at this point in, in, in the series? 
to a degree, sure. I mean, Brassois did not have, uh, Laurent Brassois for the Vegas Golden Knights, that is, did not have a great game. No one had a good game, too, to be completely transparent. But there was at least two goals where, you know, the goalie want, wants that one back or the coach will say he wished we had one more save there. And uh, the second McDavid goal fits that mold perfectly. Just, I mean, McDavid's alone. You know, he's going to find a hole because he's McDavid. But anytime you get beat clean, the goalie is going to wish they could have done a little something different. And then this was a result of a Shea Theodore turnover and a remarkable Connor McDavid play. But I think Connor McDavid's breakaway, not kind of a semi breakaway goal on the PK um, for them on the PK. So it was a shorthanded goal for the Edmonton Oilers. It didn't look like his best effort once he got to the net, and Brossois just simply was not ready for it, unfortunately. Um, me and Tony think there could be a goaltending change tomorrow night. I would not be against uh, Monday night, that is. I would not be against uh, putting Aiden Hill out there. Listen, the swing games are so hard in any series. I know the road teams have had weird records this year, but the swing games are always so hard. VGK is going to be up against the wall tomorrow night as it is. So I would like to see him run out Aiden Hill and see if we can get the team some energy. I don't want to be down 2-1 and make that change where you're going to put all that heat on him. So do it in game three when there's a little less pressure. I mean, Vegas is supposed to lose tomorrow, right? It's a swing game. They're on the road. The, the big Edmonton arena, that amazing crowd, you know, they, we should lose tomorrow. So maybe Aiden Hill can go and steal one for us. All right, Chris, why don't you tell our listeners and our viewers where they could find the podcast and where they could find you guys on social media? Yep, Locked on Vegas Golden Knights, anywhere you find your podcast. Uh, Locked on BGK, Locked on Vegas Golden Knights on YouTube as well. We're still pushing for subscribers right now, although the show's been going crazy since the playoffs started. So if you found us courtesy of uh, the Locked on AHL podcast, definitely thank you guys and uh, come check out, see what me and a Tony are up to. Uh, you can find me at TD Chris G. That's like a touchdown at TD Chris G on Twitter. All right, Chris, thanks so much. Always a pleasure. Thank you, sir. All right, I want to thank everyone for making Locked On NHL your first listen every day. Every day or tomorrow on the show, we will have the latest and biggest stories from around the NHL for the Stanley Cup playoffs and, of course, the draft lottery. So make sure you join us for that. I want to thank my guests, Chris Garlick of Locked On VGK, Armando Velez of Locked On Florida Panthers, and Dane Lewis of Locked On Dallas Stars. I'm Gil Martin. I'm here every Monday bringing you the biggest stories from around the league. And Friday, I co-host the show along with Rachel Donner. Have a great day, everyone, and thanks so much for listening to the Locked On NHL Podcast.